Hello and welcome to the ETOF 2-1 Sports Podcast for February 4th. How is everyone doing? My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 2-1 Sports. You can find my work on Twitter, everything sports betting, at ETOF 2-1. Instagram, everything sports betting, at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore. Free horse racing picks on Instagram, at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore horse underscore racing. And for some free fantasy football advice, at ETOF 2-1 Sports underscore fantasy. How is everyone doing today? It is so weird. I'm not going to lie. Is anyone else a little bit off with no football? This is my normal week. Just so you guys understand, this is my normal week. Uh, Football games end on Sunday. You know, get the look on the early lines. Start doing my projections. I have this guy, Brad, who basically taught me basically everything I knew about betting. Uh, He really took me under his wing. Old head. Brad and I kind of talk, rewatch the games. We talk again, like uh, Monday night, Tuesday, and uh, you know, kind of spitball, you know, what we're thinking. And then I start doing a little bit more deeper dives in the game, start gathering some more information, and doing my fantasy football rankings. I'm preparing to go on Gino on Thursday night because Gino and I do that that dive, and then I usually have. David on here, and I got to make sure my stats are online because David comes on. David and I talk on here on Fridays. And then on Sundays and Saturdays, when there are games, we have fourth and inches. So I'm like constantly prepping for that. And yeah, like I <laughs> I had a little free time this week, you know, and which was a little bit different, a little bit nice, um, you know, so that was, that was a little different. You know, I got some, some new stuff down here. In the uh, in the new place, I actually got done. I've been here for a couple months, so uh, yeah, you know, it was a little, it, it was a nice break, but goddamn, I fucking missed the grind. I, I missed the grind, and the grind is what it's all about. And some people are always like, "Eric, man, you got this great life, man. You get to watch sports, bet on sports. It is a grind. You want to be a professional sports better? Let me tell you guys about being a professional sports better. Uh, Sunday, uh, sitting on the Chiefs minus seven. Chiefs up by 18, lose the game. Don't cover. That's the life. Sitting on a Ram, uh, not a Rams, excuse me, a 49ers ticket. I was going to make a good sum of money. Good sum of money if the 49ers would have made the Super Bowl. Good sum. And, uh, yeah, to come that close is uh, was a little frustrating. And that To do what I do, that's what you have to have. You have to be able to say, okay, you know what? I got the number. I was in a good position. I was in a position to make money, and you got to hedge out. You got to know when to fold them and know when to put yourself in a position to make money. So in that future, there was a time where the Rams got up to plus 250 to uh, win the game, and I did put a little money on that. Didn't do it with the Chiefs because I pfft, there's no way in hell I could see that happening. But, um, yeah, did it with the um, did it with the Rams, so I was able to make a little money, and it was – it, it was a future. It was a small ticket with a high ROI for the 49ers because I got it when they were pretty bad earlier in the season. So, yeah, I mean, made money at the end of the day. That's it. But, you know, to be to be a pro gambler, guys, and to do what I do, you guys just can't get way too emotionally invested. And it's kind of funny. That's kind of like how I see people now. They just get way too emotionally invested. And gambling, especially gambling Twitter. Gambling Twitter has fucking changed. It's all about posting these ludicrous parlays and 
hoping to hit a fucking lotto ticket. That's not what gambling is all about. Like, I do I do like some round robin parlays? Yeah, but it's like I they're they're just me. I'm not posting on Twitter or when I give out plays. I make my money betting sides, betting totals, betting player props. That's how you make your money. It's not these this whole thing that gambling Twitter has fucking turned into where you're like doing these outlandish. I mean, guys, these are absolutely motherfucking outlandish parlays that people are touting. And it's like, this is like one in 20 shit you're hitting. And don't get me wrong. I don't care that you hit it. I'm not jealous that you hit it. But when it's a company that is doing this to novice betters. And now novice betters have this idea that, hey, I can do this. I it, you, This person hit it. There's no reason why I can't hit it. And then they start betting, 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 losing, 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 losing. That's where I have the issue in because you're doing this false reality to these guys. Anyone that has ever dated me, <laughs> and there's been a long list of them, can tell you about the time that I put in. It's not just like, oh, hey, I think this number's good. Oh, hey, I think this team's gonna win. I grind, I put in numbers. I have notepads all over my place with just stuff I write down and notes and everything. And it's it's a lifestyle. And I'm lucky enough that I understand math, that I have a psychology degree, that I'm able to do this shit. And it's, it's different. It really is different. You gotta have a completely different mindset for it. But you just got to be careful. I mean, I do my best. I give my stuff out for free right now on Twitter and on Instagram. Just like, hey, boom, on A and B. Last night, well, we're my one and one minus 0.17 UROI. You know, we're doing well for the week. Real quick, let me take a little gander for the week. Let me see the ROI for the week. We are currently at... Why isn't this working all of a sudden? Okay, for ROI for the week, you know, up almost five U. You know, that's it's not great, but it's positive ROI. And at the end of the day, like what you guys need to understand, it's all about positive ROI and being in a position to be successful for the year plus 18 U. And with the amount I bet, that's, that's good. And I'm happy with that. And I'm able to do what I want to do. And at the end of the day with me, you'll make money and you'll understand why you bet something. I am always here to help you guys. And that's why I'm on fourth and inches with Gino. And that's why Gino asked me to come on the um, Cutting Edge show on BTV just to help you guys understand bets and to get some stuff going. Uh, I'll be on fourth and inches, not fourth and inches, excuse me, cutting nets tomorrow. We will break down some more stuff in terms of um, betting the college hoop slate. Uh, and then I'll be on fourth and inches next week. And then DFS Bachelor and myself, we've kind of talked about maybe doing a DFS show for the Super Bowl. So be on the lookout for that. We have a great show today. Sterling, Silver Star Sports, one of the OGs of the show. He's going to come on and we're just going to talk about the NFL. We're going to talk about the season. He came on at the beginning of the year. He gave us predictions. He called the Rams. He's going to give us thoughts on the Super Bowl, give us thoughts on the season, give us thoughts on the playoffs. And then we're going to co- talk about these coaching hires, and we're going to talk about the Brian Flores lawsuit. Then 
Elena from Dresses and Solid Pretzels. She's going to come on, lifelong Bears fan, and we're going to talk about the Bears hire. She's going to give her thoughts about that, about Matt Eberflus, and she will give her thoughts about that and moving forward. Is she happy for the Bears? And from a fan's perspective, what she thinks of that. And then lastly, Boston Boy 83, Brandon is going to come on. We have a NASCAR race this weekend, boys and girls. And Brandon's going to come on and he is going to give his thoughts about the NASCAR race. With the NFL season, we have one more game, the Super Bowl. Who else but to come on? Kind of give his thoughts of what happened this crazy NFL season. Then Sterling from Silver Star Sports. Sterling. Who would have thought that it was going to be the Rams and the the Bengals when we talked all the way back in August, man? Yeah, just like everybody expected, huh? I mean, it's... crazy season, dude. Just an absolute crazy, crazy season. Um, first of all, before we dive into that, welcome back, man. I mean, it's it's been a while. Hope everything is well. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Like like you said, it's been a minute, but I'm honored to be back on. Honored to talk football with you. It's some of my favorite times. So let's get into it. All right. So let's uh, let's kind of go back. Let's look at how the season ended um, with the, where the teams finished. Is there anything that really kind of stood out to you in terms of finishing in the AFC East, where it went: Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Jets. Um, as far as the AFC East is concerned, I wasn't too surprised. I think the Dolphins have so many holes in their roster that I wasn't surprised to see them kind of take a step back from what everyone expected. Um, and then the rest of the AFC was pretty much as expected, at least for the AFC East. Now, the North, I mean, Jesus, dude. <laughs> I'll, 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 I won't even intro that. Why don't you just tell me your thoughts about the North? Uh I feel bad for the Ravens and their fans. Just the abundance of injuries. Um, COVID protocols, they just got hit every which way. Then the Browns failed to live up to the hype for the, what, third year in a row? Yep. And then the Bengals uh, couldn't have thought of a better season. Like, whether they win or not, like, this is such a successful season. You feel like the city just looks at their team differently. They have, like, a swagger about them that – is going to help them for the next 10 years. And then a quarterback like Joe Burrow to have. It's really cool to see it ignite a city like Cincinnati. And then the Steelers, um, I know you and I were both super low on them coming into the year. But they fought and clawed and almost made the or, I mean, they did make the playoffs, but uh, didn't go anywhere. But props to them in Big Ben's final year. I mean, that kind of goes to how good of a coach Tomlin is when you see how god-awful that offensive line <laughs> how bad Ben Roethlisberger is and the fact that somehow that dude got them to 9-7 and seven and won in the playoffs with a negative 55-point differential is amazing to me. So, I mean, it, 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 it truly is amazing. Um, the South. What about the South? Uh, the South was kind of messy. Um, seeing how the Colts dug themselves in such a big hole only to come back and then disappoint in the final week of the season – they were a dangerous team, and then they just disappointed in the final week of the season. The Jaguars are such a mess. Um, Trevor Lawrence looked terrible for most of the year. I think people are giving him a lot of passes, but he was really bad this year. The Texans, 
um, David Coley's team fought this year. Um, I think they had a much better season than people anticipated. And then the Titans were what I thought they were. They're a good team, but they're not the cream of the crop in the AFC. Um, Ryan Tannehill is not as good as other quarterbacks on third and eight and third and seven. And that's when you need your quarterback to really show up. And I think he proved that he's not that guy for them. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And all there, there's now there's all these rumors that Aaron Rodgers is buying a house in Nashville and he could be going there. So, yeah, the buzz in Tennessee here is crazy. Um, everyone's thinking the Titans are Super Bowl contender, Super Bowl winners next year. So, uh, the West, the West was kind of interesting. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on the West? It really was the Wild West this year. Um, the Chargers. <sighs> Just did Chargers things, but, I mean, they have an exciting future ahead of them. The Raiders were honestly the most impressive team for me. For them to have made the playoffs after all the stuff they dealt with this year really sends a testament to their team. And then the Chiefs, seeing how people were just ripping them apart weeks into the season and then how they completely changed the narrative around them was impressive. And then the Broncos, uh, they still feel like they're a QB away. So it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason. Now let's shift to the NFC. NFC, man, you know, uh, NFC East. Uh, uh, the Giants, terrible organization, um, but hopefully things change with Dable. Um, Washington football team, probably the biggest, one of the biggest disappointments of the season. The Cowboys are going to be the Cowboys in the playoffs. And then the Eagles got some bright spots to build off with such a young coaching staff to make the playoffs and um, just see development throughout the year. Really impressive from them. Now, the Giants, I mean, I think they're headed in the right direction, but uh, they, I think they're a year away. Uh, and they got to decide what to do with uh, Daniel Jones. I think they're going to keep him and see if uh, the Bull can do something with him. Uh, what about the North? The North, I was convinced that the Packers were going to be different this year. There was no more making the NFC championship game, and I was right on that aspect. They didn't even get there. Um, I really thought things were going to be different, but I guess not. And then the Bears, Justin Fields showed flashes, but um, they really need to see some development in year two. The Vikings, um, I'm glad that they're getting a new coach. It'll be interesting to see them with a new coach and just like some fresh blood in their system. And then the Lions... Uh, you got to love Dan Campbell. I mean, even though they don't win a lot of games, um, how he coached and how he got his players to fight was impressive. Uh, you know, they competed their asses off. Uh, you mentioned Mike Zimmer. The million-dollar question, have you seen his Instagram model girlfriend? No. Mike Zimmer has an Instagram Oh, my model. God. This girl is a smoke show. I mean, Jesus, <laughs> dude. Good for it. I mean, as soon as I saw that, that was like, I mean, Jesus. Uh I will send you a picture of her after we are done recording. Uh, NFC South. NFC South. Um, it's sad to see Sean Payton retire. Also sad to see Tom Brady retire. That's going to be an interesting division next year. Um, but, yeah, the Panthers completely fell off a cliff. Lost all confidence in Matt Rule after winning the first three games. Yeah, that division is going to be interesting next year. It's going to be really interesting. Really, really interesting. Um, the West, the wild, wild West. The Seahawks really need to blow it up. That's my main takeaway. Um, the Rams, 
it's good to see them being aggressive compared to like all the other teams in the NFL and then being rewarded for their aggression with a chance to win the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday. And then, or next Sunday, sorry. And then the 49ers, just seeing how Kyle Shanahan uh, changed the conversation around him, how people were calling for his heads midseason. But seeing how he's an excellent coach, and I'm excited to see what he does when Trey Lance is ready, which I don't think will be next year, but the year after that. So, You want, you want to hear a fun fact? There's What's only that? been two times. No, sorry. There's been a, two second half. There's been one double-digit lead blown in the Super Bowl in the second half. One double-digit lead blown in the NFC Championship, okay, in the second half. Guess who coaches both of those teams? Gosh, yeah. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It's like, I think he's just a bluff, dude. Like, I Really? Like, really? Th- this is my problem, okay? Hypothetically, let's say I coach a team, okay? And I have arguably the best left tackle in the game. Why am I going to put him in motion? You know what I mean? Like, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's a critical part of the game against the Rams, and you have Jamichael Hastings on the field, Debo's on the sidelines, Elijah Mitchell's not touching the ball. You know what I mean? It's like I just don't get. You know what I mean? I just don't get it, dude. You know what I, I just, I just don't get it, man. It just doesn't make sense to me what he's trying to do. I think he's trying to get like too cute for the room. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Um, now, my big takeaway from last week's game, and I wanted to ask you this. If you look at all the coaches from last week, um, McVay, Shanahan, Reed, and Taylor, I will say that the guy that kept his calm and kept it together the whole game the best and seemed the most organized was Zach Taylor. Yeah. I mean, he didn't abandon the run game. He stood with it. You know, he, he incorporated a little bit more passing and early downs in the second half because they were down. But, you know, he down 18 points. He he kept with the run game. He didn't abandon given mixing the ball. And I think those body shots, the D-line of the Chiefs started to add up toward the end of the game. Um, yeah, what uh, the playoffs have been crazy. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't really talked about the playoffs. In terms of the playoffs, you know, what, uh, what, are, what are a couple of things that stood out to you? Um, the Cowboys' mismanagement of the clock in the 49ers game, um, that was something to see. Uh, that was a big takeaway. It was also interesting seeing how the Bucks, in a span of a few weeks, went from like this juggernaut to like, or this juggernaut who was expected to repeat to this team that looked like a shadow of them former selves. Um, ultimately, they did almost come back against the Rams, but it's clear they didn't have the, the weapons like that they had before. Um, those were my main takeaways. And it's crazy. Like, you look at the Eagles game. Like, if I were to tell you that the Eagles had a 60% successful successful rush rate on early downs and averaged 5.6 yards per carry and sacked Tom Brady four times without Sweat playing, who is their best pass rusher, you would have told me they won, right? Yeah. I mean, so I really think that score is a little bit deceiving of how close that game, like, actually was. Um and then the um, the Bills Chiefs have to talk Bills Chiefs, okay? A 
how the hell do you not squib the ball there? Yeah. How do you not have someone there saying, hey, McDermott, we should squib? You know what I mean? It just doesn't. I'm surprised that's not a more talked about thing. People. It just doesn't yeah. make sense to me. And um, I want to hear your thought on the overtime rule. That's been a big topic of discussion. Like, A, do you feel it should be changed? Do you feel it should be different? Like, how do you feel about this overtime? Um, I, I think the outcry on the overtime rules is completely justified. I just think it's, it just makes sense if someone has a chance to score, let someone have a chance to match. I just I don't think we need to go to like the college overtime rules. I don't think we need to um, do all this extra stuff. I've seen people say eliminate kickoffs and punts. My suggestion, just just do like add 10 minutes to the clock and then have the teams play from there. Um, and I can understand not wanting to do like a full quarter or something like that, but just just add some time and then have the teams go. Like I, It's so hard to stop Patrick Mahomes after he's gotten his momentum and it's it's not as simple as just make a stop in my opinion it's so much more than that i don't think the chiefs would have stopped the bills if josh allen got the football first oh no. i don't think it's fair like just give the offense a chance to match and i know the chiefs were calling for that when they um didn't get a chance in 2019 or sorry when they didn't get a chance against the patriots so i uh, just i don't know so here here's my proposal to you and tell me what you think like, I didn't tell you about this, so, you know, this is your natural reaction to it. Now, for the, my proposal only happens in the playoffs. I think how it is now, we keep it. But in the playoffs, I feel that the team that has home field advantage should be rewarded and that they get the ball first to start the overtime with it being the same rules. So that means, hypothetically, the Bills, the Bills would have gone for two in that situation. So that way it would have forced the Chiefs to drive down and get a touchdown. You know what I mean? Not just a field goal. So the, the away team with the ball, they would be playing the game at the end differently because there'd be more urgency at it. How do you feel about that? That's an interesting take. I'm surprised I haven't heard that one. Um, that's not a bad idea at all, honestly. See, man, see, the, the the old timer can come up with a good idea once in a while. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like, like it. I like it. You know, I, I feel like this way, like it creates urgency. The teams would play this, the end of the game a little bit differently. They wouldn't be just playing it to get to overtime because they know that the team, um, the home team will get the ball. They'll be going for two more. Uh, they'll do a little better winding it down to make sure there's not so much time left in the clock. Yeah, I think it's um, yeah, I think it adds a, an extra element of strategy that yeah. I like to it. So yeah. So now we need to talk about all these coaching hires, and I'm really interested to get your coaching hires. I've gone on my rants many a times. Um, we're just I'm going to read these off. The Bears hired Matt Eberfus. The Broncos hired Nathaniel Hackett. The Giants have hired Brian DeBall. The Raiders hired Josh McDaniels. The Vikings have hired Kevin O'Connell. And the Jaguars have hired Doug Peterson. Now, one of the big news is Brian Flores, the lawsuit and everything. Um, now, I just want to A, get your, get your take on that, get your take on this. And just let's just kind of talk about this whole what's going on with the hiring process in the NFL. What do you think about the names I just read? 
Um, or I guess let's go team by team. So which team do you want to start with? Matt Eberfuse and the Bears. I, Matt Eberfuse is a good coach, but I think the number one priority for the Bears is Justin Fields' development. And I don't know if Matt Eberfuse is the guy to get Justin Fields where you want him to be. So that's just still, I don't hate the hiring, but it's kind of like a just wait and see. Like see. I would have loved if Dable had, or if the Bears had like enticed Dable um, or something like that see. for Justin Fields. I think now for those of you listening right now, Sterling's the first guest later, you know, the, the Bears super fan, Elena, that comes on and talks. We're going to dive into this a little bit more. But my whole thing is I really think they should have hired Jim Caldwell. I this like this is the thing that blows my mind. A, I don't understand how Jim Caldwell doesn't have a job. OK, and he won a Super Bowl with Payton. He won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator with Joe effing Flacco. You know what I mean? Like Joe Flacco, he took the Lions to the playoffs twice, responsible for two of their best three seasons ever. And he showed up to this meeting. He had a whole offense already designed centered around Justin Fields. I just don't understand how you don't hire this guy. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, and you go with Matt Eberfuse, the guy in a must-win game against the Jaguars when you have DeForest Buckner and um, Leonard and your defense can't stop anything. I don't know. I think that's just an awful hire, dude. I, I'm not a fan of that hire at all. Like just, just be, a, I agree with you. I think they should have gone with an offensive guy. Um, next one, Nathaniel Hackett, Broncos. Um, the, the Broncos have so much talent on that offense. I love to see it unlocked, but like, if they don't get the right quarterback in place, then how, how good is this hire going to be? You know, um, doesn't it kind of scream, Hey, we're hiring you in hopes you can convince Rogers to come. Yeah, that's not a good basis to hire a quarterback or to uh, to hire a coach. Sorry, it's it's awful, dude. And then like, so this Hackett was the Bills OC in 2013, the Jags OC in 2014, fired in 2015 as the Jags OC. Guy disappeared, and then he came back to the Packers as the OC. When basically LaFleur designs all the plays and calls all the plays. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's another one of these hires. It's just like, what are you doing? You know, it just doesn't. I get like, you know, you want to get like new blood in there. But I mean, honestly, you look at what this team has. Do you think they're more inclined with to win when they have like a, Nath, a Nathan Hackett or, or, or with a Brian Flores? Or with a Jim Caldwell, or um, I'm trying to think what's another candidate. I don't even know another candidate, like a, a Joe Brady. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like who would like? I think with those three guys, they're more capable of winning than with a Nathan Hackett. You know? Or am I just am I just like? No, they left a lot to be desired with that hire. Um, I have heard this rumor floated around. Around, let me. It on you. So, what if instead of getting Aaron Rodgers, which obviously they hope to do, they get Jordan Love? Because Hackett's seen Jordan Love in practice a thousand times. Do you think like Jordan Love could be the missing piece in that uh, Broncos offense? 
Um, I really wasn't that impressed with Jordan Love the one time I saw him play, dude. You know, I, I thought he looked a little anxious. I get it. It's your first NFL start. But there really wasn't anything like when I rewatched the tape when I was like, oh, shit. You know what I mean? There wasn't that like wow factor, so to speak. Now, granted, like he only got one chance to play. But, um, you know, there really wasn't it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I will say this though. Um, now you you and I never talked about this. I will say this though. If last year's Texan staff, um, uh, David Coley, Lovey Smith, and I'm spacing on who their offensive coordinator was, um, if that team coached the Broncos, they would have made the playoffs. Oh, for sure. I mean, that team, those guys, they were able to get some like stuff out of players and I just don't think that um Nathaniel's gonna be able to do that. If you know, call me crazy, I just I just don't think he will. Um Giants and Brian DeBall. So originally we talked about this uh off the air. Um the candidates I wanted as a Giants fan were either Flores, um or sorry, I'm based on the names. Leftwich or Kellen Moore. And then I feel like there's one more name I was mentioning. But Dable, he's a great hire. The only reason is I've read up on him. And some players just don't seem to like him. Other players love him. But he can really uh, make or break a locker room. So I think his offense isn't fit for a quarterback like uh, Daniel Jones. So it's going to be a year or some progress, or we're going to need to see some progress from Daniel Jones, or we're going to have to um, get a quarterback. But I think Dable's a good hire. We definitely need an offensive guy. Our offense has been so stagnant over the past few years that it's been painful to watch. Yeah. Um, so I think he was a great hire. I just don't know what he's going to be able to do with a quarterback that's as limited as Daniel Jones. Going from Josh Allen to Daniel Jones is a, a stark difference. And here's the thing: like, I'm I'm friends with an NFL coach, and uh, he made this uh, statement to me, and this was a statement. He told me that jo- the only reason Josh Allen is good is because of COVID nineteen. And I, I I asked him, I go, what do you mean by that? He goes, with there being nothing to do, it forced him to work on what he needed to work on. And I found that really interesting. You know what I mean? Like, to me, that's a real interesting comment. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I really don't know if this guy is going to go good. Just because I feel he kind of got the job because of Allen, obviously, and the success he has. Um, I think it kind of speaks volumes of what he thinks of Tua, and because he had his choice between the Dolphins' job and the Giants' job. And he decided to go with Daniel Jones and the Giants instead of um, the Finns and Tua. Um, I just don't know. I could see it either being a big cluster F or I could see it actually working out. So this one, this one I'm kind of on the fence about. I feel it could go either way. There's no – I feel this is one of those ones where it's no middle ground. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing yeah, There's nothing in the middle. Flames or... <laughs> I'm sorry? Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with you. It's either going to blow up in flames, yeah. or the Giants are going to be a playoff team. Yeah, I feel like there's no, I feel like there's no middle ground. You know, like I can see like, 
like Hackett being like st- like seven and s- seven and seven toward the end of the season, but I can either see the bowl being like, you know, ten and six or six and ten, like no no middle ground. Um, next one. Now this one speaks volumes to me about a the Patriots organization um, with who their next head coach is going to be after Belichick retires, and um, the Raiders. Josh McDaniels. Like, how do you feel about this one? That one was head scratching to me. I, seeing the way guys loved Rich Basakia, the special teams coordinator, interim head coach, I really thought he was going to get the job, but it didn't even seem like he had a real chance at the job. And then Josh McDaniels, like, I, I just feel like there were so many better coaching names out there. Um, yeah, that Patriots, or that Patriots coaching tree just speaks volumes, but I don't, I don't really know how this is going to work out. See, here's my thing. I think it. everyone always assumed it was going to be Josh McDaniels that took over for, um, for Belichick. From what I'm hearing inside of Patri- the Patriots, um, from the Patriots, the guy I know that works in the organization, he's telling me it's, what's the kid's name, Steve? It's Steve Belichick. As soon as Bill retires, Steve's going to take over. And with... Josh leaving, to me, that kind of suggests that. Because if Josh was going to be next in line, why would he leave? You know what I mean? Because the Raiders are nowhere near ran as well as the Patriots are. And you want to have good ownership. So right there, that kind of leads me to think that what my my this guy told me has legs. Number two, you have a guy that agreed to coach, coach the Colts, bailed on the Colts, and then um, – you know, had that disastrous stretch in Denver with Tim Tebow. Yeah, that's, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of this hire. The special teams guy whose name I can't even pronounce right, so I'm not even going to attempt to. Um, look at everything that guy dealt with. Uh, the tragic accident of Henry Ruggs. Um, the DB posting a, a video on Instagram with a gun. Another guy getting a, Hobbs getting a DUI. And he got this team to the playoffs? You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, he did a damn good job. <laughs> like, what am I missing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what? I don't understand what I'm missing here. And your best player, Darren Weller, what he didn't even play the last five games. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't understand what I'm missing. You know, and that's yeah. I think the NFL kind of needs to reevaluate just this interim coach procedure because it seems like a lot of these guys don't have a real shot at the job, no matter how well they do. It, it just makes zero, zero sense to me. Um, the next one, obviously they're not getting their top guy because they were going all in on Harbaugh. Um, the Minnesota Vikings hired Kevin O'Connell. Didn't he start um, coaching like only like five years ago? You know, <laughs> I just feel like there, there was om- there's better – like, you want an offensive guy, fine. Like, there's better people to get to do what you want to do. I don't know. I just wasn't too thrilled with the direction the Vikings are going. I think that I, I, I just don't see it working out. He, Browns quarterback coach in 2015, Niners special projects in 2016, Redskins quarterback coach in 17. 
so yeah. Quarterback coach slash passing game quarter coordinator in 2018. In 2019, he was the Washington Redskins offensive coordinator. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pro football. Pro football, what is this, reference? Um, Let's want, see all the success he had. Yeah, let's, let's kind of have a little fun here. Kevin O'Connell, okay. Pulling this dude up. Um... Let's look at the 2019 Washington Redskins. Um, I mean, I I'm trying to spit like, who was there? Uh, uh, of course, of course, my of course this is when my iPad decides to crash. All right, so this team, the team was three and thirteen. Okay. Uh, led by Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins. Uh, Adrian Peterson ran for 898 yards. Um, their leading receiver was Terry Mc rookie Terry McLaren. Not really like that impressive of an offense. And you guys, you guys can say, well, they had Case Keenum. They had Adrian Peterson. Uh, guys, David Culley was competitive with David Johnson, Rex Burthead, uh, the walking concussion, Brandon Cooks, and my boy Longneck Mills. You know what I mean? As long as you have something there and you get the boys to compete, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah, so... And then he went to the Rams, where he basically got that job because he was friends with McVay. Let's be honest; like, if he wasn't friends with McVay, he's not getting that job. Um, His so, resume is severely lackluster. It's not. It's not that impressive. Not that impressive at all. And you look at this team: you have Delvin Cook, you have Justin Fields, you have um, Conklin, who's a decent tight end. Cousins, who's a decent quarterback, you know, mid-range guy, uh, decent defense. Um, you know, you got some pieces there to build with, and this is the guy you hire. Another one I just don't get. I just don't understand. Uh, and then lastly, the Jaguars hired Doug Peter Peterson. Uh, how do you feel about this one? I hate this one as well. Um, yep. Doug Peterson Yes, he, he won a Super Bowl. Um, but if you look at his last few years of coaching since that Super Bowl, the Eagles were not a well-coached football team. Like, that's clear. No matter which way you you put on the Eagles tape, if you watch their season, they just were not a, a well-coached team. Uh, I think you're just – like, there were so many other ways to take this. You could have hired a culture guy like Jim Caldwell. You could have hired – uh, offensive guru, so to speak, like Byron Leftwich or um, somebody, and you hire Doug Peterson. Like that's just hiring because he he's won a Super Bowl. I don't think he's going to add anything to Trevor Lawrence. I don't think he's going to revitalize this defense. I don't think like what are we doing here, Jacksonville? You know, it's just the same thing, and this is why leadership is so important. You look at. Um, the Jags and their front office is a mess and they hired a mess of a coach. As soon as he pulled that shit, 
where he like pulled everyone in the second half in that Sunday night football game. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want a loser like that who do, you know what I mean. Like coaching my team now. There's a difference in my mind between tanking and playing shitty players versus losing and playing your rookies. You know what I mean? Like if I drafted, let's say I drafted, you know, a young quarterback in the first round, okay? And I'm playing that guy to get him ready, that's that's fine. But if I'm playing, oh my God, what's a shitty quarter? Like Joe Flacco, then I'm actively tanking. You know, you, you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I just- Who'd they put in Nate Sudfield back? Yeah, Nate yeah. Sudfield. Cause he wanted yeah. to see, he, want, he wanted to see he wanted to see what Nate freaking Sugfield brought to the table. Like what? Like what? Are you when you have Jalen Hurts already? You know what I mean? And you want to further his development because this is his first year. Um, in terms of your left witch comment, what I heard is left witch is like, I'll go there, but Belky's got to go. Trent Belky, their GM's got to go. And I'll be honest, I would have done that. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't have done that. I want somebody in there that is going to develop my quarterback. And I really think that you, you're right. They just um, they just kind of went with uh, Peterson because of the name in the Super Bowl. Uh, the other big news is this Brian Flores lawsuit. Now, A, I think you're going to kind of tell with the way I feel that I think there is legs to it. I think it is um, with how you and I have been talking that I really think Leftwich and I really think Jim Caldwell should have had a job many moons ago. And I think Flores should have a job. So I think there is legs to it. And I give him credit for doing it because I don't see him getting another opportunity to coach in the NFL. And I think he's like putting, how can I say this, the purpose over himself, which I think is, I really admire him for that. I want to hear what you think about this whole Flores lawsuit. Yeah, when I got the notification about that bombshell lawsuit, the first my first reaction was like, "Wow!" Like, props to him because, I, like you said, I don't think he's gonna get another NFL job after this um, all goes down. But Trent or Brian Flores is undoubtedly one of the ten to fifteen best coaches in the NFL and should definitely, definitely have a job. Jim Caldwell has. He took the Lions to the playoffs. Like, and then Leftwich has produced as um, everywhere he's went. So I think there's just like a lot to this and a lot to unpack. But the NFL needs to do a lot better with the Rooney rule. Um, it was good intentioned, but very poorly executed. If I'm a minority head coach, I don't want to be hired or interviewed per se just because. I'm trying to fit a number, you know, I'm trying to meet a quota. I want to be hired based on merit, you know, and my coaching abilities. I feel like that's insulting otherwise, you know. Um, So I think there's a lot that needs to be investigated and a lot that's going to come out about these hiring procedures in the NFL. And it could be really bad for the NFL and PR, you know. It's awful. And the fact of the matter is... The fact I like I always feel like the best person should have the job. You know what I mean? You come in, you're the best person for the job. It's your job. Okay. Now, the fact that they have to have 
a rule that you have to interview minority candidates just shows you how bad the hiring process is. Like I said before, Jim Caldwell showed up to the Bears interview with an offense already planned out. Okay. Yeah, how more prepared could you be? For Justin Fields. And we saw in, in Fields' first game, it looked like Nagy had no idea what to do. You know what I mean? And this guy's already coming in. Hey, this is what we're going to do. And you don't fucking hire him. And you hire somebody that gave up how many points in a must-win game to the Jacksonville Jaguars? <laughs> like, it just, it's just mind-boggling to me. It's just... Like it's just absolutely positively mind boggling to me that this that this stuff is still happening and it's twenty twenty two. And it's just it's mind boggling to me. Um the one this is the one I don't get though, and this is the interesting one. Does how the Chiefs close the season, basically choking that game against the Bengals. Now let's say you're the Dolphins. Or you're the um, the other team with the coaching head. I'm spacing. Who who still needs a head coaching job? I'm sorry. Um, that's does Bianami's stock pl- drop a little bit? Um, I say for me, I don't take too much stock in the just last game of the season, which is why I didn't hate the Eberflus uh, hiring. So I don't think that wouldn't impact my decision. I look at the whole body of work personally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and I swear, like, Josh McCowan, that quarterback who's been coaching high school ball, is rumored to get a Texas job. Dude, if that happens. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Especially because David Cully, like, like you said, one of the least talented teams I've ever seen. And they fought so hard for him. And, like, you're just going to ship him out when you had zero expectations at the start of the season. They when went, he, like, established a culture, you know? They went 4-13 with Deshaun Watson, okay? They went 4-13 this year. Now, don't get me wrong. My boy Davis Bills won me a lot of money, and I, I love the kid to death. But they won four games with Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just absolutely mind-boggling that you can just be like, oh, you know what? I think we need to make a change. It's like, what are you doing, you know? And it just kind of shows you, like, like take me. I'm a Lions fan. I thought Caldwell did a great job. I didn't think we should have got fi- rid of him. I didn't think we should have fired him. Um, we fired him. And now and um, Quinn hired Fat Matt. That's what I call him. Matt Patricia. Fat Matt. Uh, basically, we are what we're, we second worst team in the NFL. And the quarterback that we had has, has led the Rams to the Super Bowl. Like, there's no reason why that couldn't have been us. You know what I mean? If they would just go to stay the course with Caldwell and put pieces around him. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just absolutely mind-boggling that we're here. And, you know, it's not it's not just the NFL. Like, I have a couple friends that played in the NBA and, you know, have tried to get NBA front office jobs. And, you know, they... They're African-American, and they tell me stories. They're like, dude, I did an interview, and I, I sat down, and I can tell you I'm not going to get the job. So it's just it's just mind-boggling to me because, like, I really feel like the best person should get the job. It's really that simple. Like, if you're hiring or you're running a business and you want it to be successful, 
why would you not hire the best person for the job? Like, it's just, I just hope this lawsuit opens people's eyes to like what's going on. And it's, I don't know, just. And you have LA showing up hungover. And the, the thing that's mind boggling to me is the NFL put out a letter addressing it like two hours later. Like, like you don't even have all the facts after two hours. You know what mm. I mean? Like, you don't, you don't know anything. So it's just that's preparing for the media outrage. You know, you know like, that's terrible. You know, it's just, it's just absolutely, absolutely bonkers. And then on top of that, how does Belichick know what's going on in the Giants organization so far in advance? Like, who's talking in the Giants organization? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because he's not just gonna. He's not just gonna send that to send it unless like there's like some agents, um unless like DeBall and him have the same agent, which they could. Um I just I don't know. The NFL's got a big issue and hopefully um hopefully this stuff gets um gets sorted out and I'll give like like you and I agree, we don't think Flores is gonna coach again in the NFL and I'll give him credit. Sometimes, you know, fight like doing the right thing and standing up for the bigger picture has to be done and props to him for doing it and you know i almost it's sad to say but like thinking about how this lawsuit's going to turn out i think it's going to be messy and i also don't think anything's going to change at the end of the day like i just think there might be bigger decals of end racism or or protesting or racial injustice at the end of the day i don't think the nfl is actually going to change the way it works you know which is a sad thought honestly i'll be Hundred percent with you. I totally agree. Like you look at it, like I, I, you hit it. Like what you said was absolutely perfect, and I, I'm not gonna add anything to it. You know what I mean? Like absolutely perfect. I'm not gonna add anything to it. I agree with you hundred percent. Uh, you look at the way these. So Flores basically got fired for they wanted him to lose. Ross did offered him money, and for those who don't know. The old Action Network, which is a big uh, gambling company that's all over social media. Yeah, um, old Rossi Poo, he donated 18 mil to that company. He's a big time investor in a gambling company and you're oh, wow. incentivizing your coach to lose. Eh, not that good. That's gotta be illegal. Yeah, I, it, it, it has to be, it, it has to be illegal. And then he um, goes on to win games and then you fire him for not losing. You know what I mean? You fire him for you fire him for losing and not getting in the playoffs, but you wanted him to lose when he first started? What? Like what 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 am I missing? And if you rewind back for a little bit, like before Flores took the job, people it was like tank for two, I remember. And that Dolphins team was like people were talking about it like the worst roster of all time, you know? I remember at one point they were running Patrick Laird. Like, I'm sure people have probably never heard of him, but Patrick Laird was their starting running back for a time. And that team, he he won with that team, you know? Like, that just, that shows a leader of men, you know? Ah. It's just, it's it's just insane to me. And, like, I will, it's just, I, I it just blows my mind. And you look at, I'm going to use three guys in, as an example, Okay. You look, you look at the Lions. They hired Jim, had, had Jim Caldwell, African-American coach, fired him, where he had a good record, made it to the playoffs two out of three seasons, okay? Now look at them. 
poverty franchise. They're an absolute poverty franchise right now once they got rid of Caldwell. You look at the Bears. Is Lovey Smith a sexy guy? Yeah, I think he's kind of sexy with that beard. I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. But he had them routinely winning 10 games every single year. Okay? Every single year. Um, and then you get rid of him. Now you have Matt Nagy, who's not showing up for exit interviews. I don't know if you heard the story, but Allen Robinson, he just never scheduled Allen Robinson's exit interview. Just never wow. did it. Mitch Trubitsky scheduled a meeting for him after his first season and said, hey, let's fix the offense. Let's get the offense going. Wanted to make some changes with the offense. Trubitsky had wrote down all this stuff. Guess who never showed up for the meeting? Matt Nagy. You know what I mean? That and now you have a who I think has the potential to be to make that Joe Burrow type leap in a second season, let's say, um, in Justin Fields, and you hire Matt Eberflus. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I agree with everything you said. I think it's a sticky situation. I think it's gonna get worse. But sadly, at the end of the day, I don't think shit's gonna change at all. And that's the real sad thing. That's the real, real sad thing. Um, Sterling, I would like to thank you for coming on, talking NFL, taking time out of, you, out of your Friday. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? Um, find me on social media or Instagram at Silver Star Sports. That's Silver Star, then an underscore, and then sports. Um, trying to get back into the swing of posting. Life's been kind of busy right now, but the summer's coming up. And I'm going to have a lot more content for y'all. And then I'm also going to be able to feature on this podcast more um, if Eric will have me. Um, but, yeah, I always love this. Always enjoy these times. Okay, man. You want to come back on? I think our next assignment in a couple weeks, let's say after the Super Bowl, how about you come back on and we will make our predictions of who will be each team's starting quarterback next season. Yeah, sounds fun. Oh, I'm oh, man. oh before, yeah. before we head off, before we head off. Need your thoughts on the Washington Commanders football team name? I think it's awful. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> that bothers me that they took two years and they came up with that. Wow. It's that's just, terrible. that's terrible. Like, I just don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, the football team was kind of cool. It kind of caught on. You know, you're selling merch, you know, and you change it to the Commanders. It just, it, it kind of, says how can i say this like i'm watching the, the what's what's that tv show i'm watching peacemaker okay on uh hbo max the one with uh john cena where yeah from the suicide squad or whatever it kind of sounds like the commander will be one of the guys on the tv show if that makes sense you know what i mean like it just it's such a shitty name and you think about it at the end of the day the nfl's big business and how much millions and billions of dollars they spent to yeah. come up with the commanders. <laughs> yeah, especially that it was an XFL team name and they copied the like the nickname, the uh, the logos pretty bad too. It's wow. Like wow. It's just it's dog shit, dude. You know, like I I'm at the point right now where I'll I'll, I'll say it. It's complete dog shit. They have asked it. They just fucking have to ask it. And you know, this is the sad thing. Now, like, you kind of 
like you said you said something like um and i forget what you said you said it when we first started talking and uh, hopefully it'll come back to it in my mind but um the thing is is that people are gonna buy it and the washington fans aren't gonna do anything about it they'll just let them get away with it you know what i mean it's i don't know it's and like i almost feel like it's the owner just being like oh yeah we still have like we're still under fire for like a lot of our the different things we do wrong let's just slap this name out there and maybe like people will focus on that and not how inept our organization is and like speaking of like nfl and like you know hey i i like the nfl i make a lot of money doing the nfl stuff um but i need to shit on this for a little bit how the fuck the Snyder still owning this team. Seriously. You know what I mean? Like, how the hell is he still allowed to own a team with all the dirtball shit that he's done? You know yeah, what I there's mean? There's no way they investigated and found nothing from the Redskins organization. Sorry, the Commanders organization. It's just, at the end of the day, it's a good old boy league. And when you think about it, you think that Caldwell was able to break through and get a job and succeed. Lovey Smith, and I hope Leftwich gets an opportunity. It's truly remarkable. And Flores, like he, I think I, I continue. I, I consider what Flores was able to do in Miami with how bad they were a success. It's just mind-boggling because at the end of the day, it's just a good old boys club that helps other th- their little buddies out. Like there's no reason why Mike Shula should have been the coach for the Cincinnati Bengals all those years. That may be a little bit before your time, though, buddy, because I'm an old fart. That may be a little <laughs> bit before your time. But, uh, yeah, it's just – it's a good old boys club that definitely needs to change. Yeah. Um, but, Sterling, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hopefully uh, next couple weeks uh, after the Super Bowl we can have you on. We can do the who will be quarterbacking who um, next year, give our little predictions. But real quick before I let you go, let's let's hear it. Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP. Ooh, preseason Super Bowl pick was the Rams. But I think I'm going to change it up. I bet against Joe Burrow uh, when he played Clemson in the national championship game, and the, I regret it to this day. I'm not I'm not going to bet against Joe Burrow this time. And the Bengals win 24-20. to um, Joe Burrow, your MVP. I'm going to go Rams 14-3, to and your MVP – Put it in now, kids. Leonard Floyd. Wow. Okay. 200, I like it. That's different. 14 to 3. 14 to 3. Defensive battle. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's just going to be a defensive battle, man. Just under the, I think it's going to, Bengals defense have been playing better than advertised. I think they're going to drop eight. Uh, I think the front line of the Rams is going to get home and make Burrow a little bit uncomfortable. I think it's going to be a defensive struggle. And then at the end of the day, the Rams will be able to get a couple second half touchdowns and uh, okay. and get the W. Uh, thanks for coming on, my man. Uh, I look forward to our next time we talk when we talk about the quarterbacks. We'll talk soon, bud. Yeah, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. So one of the big NFL hirings that we're going to really center on right now is with the Chicago Bears. And who else but Chicago Bears' number one fan to come on and talk about it. Elena from Dresses and Salted Pretzels. Elena, how are you doing this uh, Friday afternoon? Bear down, baby. We're a little cold in Texas, but making it through. Yeah, you have like a big storm going on, no? (laughs) 
you know, I mean, you know, I'm from Illinois. So for me, it's, it's no sweat off my back, but these Texans are freaking out. So luckily we have not lost power or water like we did last year. Yeah. I mean, I know like usually like one inch, you guys are like all like completely closed down. <laughs> yes. I was work from home today. So Jesus. I was like, it's a snow day, but no snow. Jesus. We got, what do we get? We got seven inches the other day. And oh my goodness. Yeah, like it was to work as normal. Like no one cares. <laughs> here, so. Um, so the Bears made some interesting hires. Um, they plucked someone from the Chiefs. Ryan Poles, he um, was a scouting assistant in 209, and he's kind of worked his way up. He was the college scouting coordinator, assistant director of player personnel, and the executive player of personnel. Um, He comes in as the Bears' new general manager. What, I mean, are you excited about this hire? Are you kind of like, eh, he has the same first name as Ryan Pace. I really, and the same initials for a matter of fact. <laughs> um, what What is your initial, like, fandom-wise, where are you at here? Yeah, so I have to I have to tell you that when people are referencing Ryan and Matt, I automatically uh, start to get a little scared because, I mean, our, you know, are we talking about the old Ryan and Matt or are we talking about the new Ryan and Matt? So <laughs> that gives Bears fans a little bit of PTSD there. Um, just like you said, is the reference from the names. And anytime I'm reading articles or listening to something, I have to really tune in to make sure that we're talking about the new Ryan as <laughs> Ryan Poles, the new GM. You know, I, uh, he's, he's, you know, he had a good career with Kansas City. Um, Kansas City, obviously a winning team. And there was a lot of good accolades that came from that group. But the same could be said for any candidate like that that leaves a team. Generally speaking, there's well wishes, right? So I don't necessarily take that too seriously. Uh, Press conference-wise, I definitely found him impressive. You know, he had a strong candor about him. The comment, take the North back and that we'll never give it back. I'm sure Bears fans absolutely loved that, Um, especially if you're a Game of Thrones fan. And it kind of went back for me for the Lovey Smith days. You know, when when he first took over as head coach, he was very clear in the fact that we were going to beat Green Bay. So any reference to taking the North back or beating the Green Bay Packers is definitely going to win the hearts of Bears fans. you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. So far, I like the comments that come out of him. He's hired his first ever in Bears history assistant GM. And, um, you know, he's an ex-player. So I also I also like that because we all know the McCaskey family has been very clear about the fact that they don't really know football. They know shit. And, I mean, like yeah. you, you, you can swear on here. This is this is rated R. This isn't PG here. You can swear. They McCaskey's okay, no shit. So continue. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he George reminds me of somebody that's going to be giving a tour of the Natural History Museum. I said that on the <laughs> podcast. I had heard that on on somebody else's show, and that really that that struck a chord with me. I'm like, that's a perfect reference to Mr. McCaskey here. It's just, well, first of all, back to your Lovey Smith comment. I love Lovey Smith. I think you guys made a huge mistake 
by like letting him go. Um, and funny, I have a funny Lovey Smith story I'll tell you. Like, of course, being from the area, you know the Jewel Oscals around here. Mm-hmm. Um, late night, went to a Jewel Osco, and honestly, the only two people in the store somehow were Lovey Smith and I, because I live up here by the Bears <laughs> practice facility. And, you know, he had a full shopping cart. Son of a bitch, this guy let me go in front of him with my case of Miller Lite. So ever oh, si- I love that. Ever since that, you know... I am a Lovey Smith type of guy, but um, <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of like just like unknown stuff. Like you just really don't know like how much this guy like did. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, was this him that can't like found Mahomes or was it Dorsey? How much did he learn under Dorsey and everybody? So there's hope, but I just don't know like you know what I mean? Like there's just a lot of questions, and I would much rather I don't know. They get someone with a little bit more of a track record, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that. Uh, well, first of all, question for you: Did Lovey Smith have a cart full of Malort in there? Oh my God! Like <laughs> somebody in the household had to be sick because I think he had like Pedialyte, um, <laughs> like what else? Sudafed, because this is so far ago that anti, like whatever nasal stuff that you can't get anymore. He had a ton right. of that. Because like, of meth. Yeah. Like, I mean, he, somebody was sick in the house and he looked like he hadn't slept at all. But, uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I just kind of feel like, I don't know. There's a lot of questions. I have more questions and answers with this hire than anything else. Yeah. I mean, you know, he was O-line at Boston College. Mm-hmm. And, you know, where where did the Bears need to get better this past year? Justin Fields sacked 36 times. Bears led the lead, I believe, in sacking or in yeah. uh, allowing, excuse me, allowing sacks. Um, and so that I like that. And he hasn't been afraid to make comments about that and make direct comments about how the players not only obviously need to be better on the O-line, but how they treat their quarterback when he is yeah. hit. Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I think you guys have a once-in-a-lifetime generational talent. And I think if done correctly, we could see that Joe Burrow-type leap yeah. that we saw from Fields. But that brings me to your coach's hire, Matt Eberfuse. Um Yeah, I mean, what... WTF, what the hell? I mean, tell me what your initial reaction is with this guy. So initial reaction, I believe, was the same as any Bears fan. I'm sorry, who? Yeah. And, you know, with all of the premium candidates that are currently out there, uh, obviously most have been scooped up by now, but definitely that were, were out there, I just didn't see this one coming. I know that the Jaguars were also interviewing him and that it seemed like he kind of had a choice between the bears, but in Jacksonville, I, I, I was shocked by this. I mean, you know, you and I talked about this when he was first named and I still don't necessarily see where they're going with this one. Everybody thought the bears were going to hire an offensive minded coach. And instead they went with a former defensive coordinator 
which, I mean, you look at his, he started coaching in 92 in the college ranks, was at Toledo until 2001, D.C. at Mizzou until 08, with the Browns, 09 to 010. Then he was with the Cowboys from 2011 to 2018, where he's been the Colts' defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, you have a young, uh, young quarterback, and you hired a defensive coach. That that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, that that is, you know, you just ran through that the 20 years of of his coaching experience, and you know, he made a statement that he's not going to be making play calling, um, you know, on on the defense. Well, good. Right. Because that was part of the problem that we had with Matt Nagy is he just could not get away from that. And again, you know, someone could argue they could be like, well, you had an offensive head coach and Matt Nagy and, and look where he brought you. But I just think that, you know, bear down society really thought we were going to get another offensive coach. And it brings me to my point, And I told this to you when we were messaging back and forth. I really think they should have gone with Jim Caldwell. Jim Caldwell yeah. showed up with an entire offense that was built around Justin Fields. Not just ideas, but legitimately like, boom, slamming a notebook on the table and said, here, <laughs> this is what I would do if I came here. He won a Super Bowl in the Col- with the Colts with Peyton Manning. Won a Super Bowl as an offensive coordinator with Joe Flacco and the Ravens, and he was took the Lions to the playoffs twice and had two of their best three seasons ever. Ever, which ever. <laughs> when you're talking about Lions seasons, that's yeah. it's always ever because now be careful. I'm a Lions fan here. Be careful. <laughs> no, I'm a sensitive Lions fan, so just be careful. But you know, kidding aside, like we. We've never recovered from that. Like, we never should have fired him in the first place. Right. And we're a poverty-stricken second-worst team in the league, and our quarterback is now in the Super Bowl. You know, so it's just, I really think you guys, I don't sound like a Debbie Downing here, but um, I really think you guys kind of messed this up just because with how the NFL is, it's such a salary cap league you got fields on his rookie deal now for three more for excuse me for four more years right now this is the window for the bears to win right and call me crazy but with fields with mac on the defensive side and with my boy i do have a little bit of a man crush and akeem hicks i mean (laughs) like I, i think that guy's a beast um i think you guys have some pieces where if you have the right coach in play and the North being such a cluster F because no, no one knows what's on going on with Green Bay, Detroit's a couple years away, and Minnesota's rebuilding, I thought you guys had an opportunity to make some noise. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, supposedly that interview with Caldwell went very well. But it's, you know, Eberfluss is going to have to really get this offensive coordinator hire right or the Bears are going to be left in the dust again, as as they have been. Um, I you know I saw some some reports on could Caldwell 
become that offensive coordinator. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think he'd even consider that? Like, honestly, like, if I'm Caldwell, and maybe, like, this is because I'm a competitive person, I would say F no. Yeah. Like, that's just me. Like, you know, I because I look at it like this. I thought Nagy should have been fired. You have Justin Fields for all that time, and you knew it was just a matter of time before he took over as your quarterback, and you roll him out in that game. I believe his first game was against the uh, the Browns. Mm-hmm. And you have literally no plays intact that go to his strengths. Right. You know, and you've had the kids since August. That just showed that you were just a cluster F. I don't know if you've seen these reports. You have um, Alan Robinson saying that Nagy said, hey, I'll schedule my exit interview with you um, last year. <laughs> Nagy just never called him. Like, Nagy just legitimately just never called him. And then I know you and I have different opinions on um, on Trubisky. But Trubisky, after they lost the Eagles, he was supposed to go in and meet with Nagy. Nagy just never showed up. Yeah. So it's just, I don't... I don't know. Like, I'm hearing they may go with the passing game coordinator um, from the Chiefs. Oh, dude, my boy. Like, have you seen the the 49ers offensive coordinator, Mike McDowell? The guy's a pretty uh-huh. funny guy. They get the Mike Jones guy in all the interviews. <laughs> um, I Like, those or go after Hamilton, the quarterback coach for the – God, I think he's with the Chargers – or go after the Eagles passing game coordinator. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the n- names I heard, but I really, I don't know. I think they kind of dropped the ball. I hate to, I hate to say this, and um, I mentioned to you this in messages, and I wanted to get your reaction to it. So hypothetically, you're hired as a NFL head coach, but one of the stipulations is you have to go to Saturday mass with the owners. How do you feel? <laughs> Um, well, you know, first of all, do those owners even consider what my religious affiliation is or do they not? Right. (laughs) I I mean, that's, you know, case in point. No, absolutely not. I'm an adult. I'm going to make my own decisions and you're not going to make me go to mass with you. I, um, and my, you know, this is probably a, uh, a very unpopular decision that I have made in my past to some individuals, but I passed up a full ride to Bellarmine because I had to go to mass twice a week. And I just thought, you know, I don't want any institution telling me how I should praise or not praise. Um, And I am Catholic actually. So you would think that that wouldn't have been an issue for me, but it was. So then I ended up playing golf at Missouri state and you know, who knows how my life would have changed by making that decision. But um, I just think that that's, you know, when you're when you're a kid and your parents are, are making the decisions for you and they're like, you're going to be your butt's going to be in that seat every single Sunday. Yes, mom and dad. Absolutely. But I can't imagine telling a grown man that he has to be in mass with the owners every Saturday. So for those of you that don't know, the the Mikalskis, who own the Bears, require that if you are the coach, you go to Saturday mass with them, which is 
insane to me. Absolutely, positively insane that you would require that. And I would, I would say no. I had the same situation as you. I was offered a um, one of the private schools where I grew up. Grew up in Michigan. Offered me um, basketball scholarship in high school mm-hmm. to to go there, and they cover my tuition. And like immediately, I was like, uh, no. Like, <laughs> like, I was like, uh, no, I'm required to do all this stuff. No. So, yeah, it just doesn't make sense to me. And it kind of goes back on um, Sterling from Silver Star Sports was, you know, he he was on before you and we we're talking about the whole Brian Flores situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm not afraid to say anything. I really think that Jim Caldwell is mo- more qualified for this job than Matt Eberflus is. I completely agree with that. I think Caldwell is probably somewhat dismissed because of his age. However, he brought an innovative plan based off of their star quarterback. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it could have went over some people's heads. Like, I, I don't think that they, even though he made it second round through the interviews, I don't know that he actually was truly considered. Which kind of irritates me as a person um i like you're you're big in your business world and your tech world that you do but when you interview people like you're gonna hire whoever you feel is best qualified no absolutely so it kind of you know what i mean like it kind of goes back to that and with the stuff i would do like i would do the same thing um next question for you do you you feel that they should trade Mac and try to acquire more draft picks, or do you think they should keep him? I think they should keep Mac, but that is me responding with emotions. So I am a huge, huge Mac fan, and I would just be gutted if they traded him at this point. You know, I mean, you know I live in Houston, Bears fan for life, but I've been to so many Texans games for work, and just you know support the city that i live in and as the texans started shaving off every player that any fan or even any analyst would say is is the best on that team like deandre hopkins for example you just it's it's hard for a fan to get over that and to come back from that so answering with like pure emotions here no please don't get rid of mac yeah, he's yeah. I I'm in the same boat. I think this is a year where you have to go after it. This year, if you don't make the playoffs, so I think you should trade him though. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you should trade him. Um, Elena, I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your Friday, coming on, uh, talking some NFL, talking the Bears and everything. Uh, real quick, I'm asking everyone that comes on this week, give me who's winning the Super Bowl and who your MVP is. All right, so Rams are going to win the Super Bowl, and Stafford, uh, and and just he, I'm going to name him my MVP just for you. Okay, I appreciate <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Thank. It's like it's kind of like a mini Detroit Super Bowl because MMs performing at the halftime. Yeah, got Matt Stafford. So it's kind of like it's kind of like it's the lions but it's not really the lions the memes have been hilarious in regards to detroit and that you know that this is the closest that they'll be to a super bowl i just i've really been laughing at that stuff and i am so hyped for this 
Super Bowl halftime because I believe you and I were about probably the same age. Mm-hmm. So this is our era. Yeah, this is like this is when you and I were young and cool. And I, yes, I mean, like exactly when you said 1992 and 20 years, I felt a little old. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so um, thank you for coming on. Uh, you and the dresses and salted pretzels crew. You guys have a live podcast every tuesday why don't you plug that and you have a great foundation you've partnered up with why don't you plug that as well absolutely thank you for that opportunity so dresses and salted pretzels sports life talk south part of the sports life talk nation parent company out of dallas we are every tuesday 7 p.m central on youtube you can find us under the sports life with an s umbrella i don't know why my computer just started talking to me um and then also, please, when you have a chance, check out the Bakari Foundation and Bakari Luxury Sportswear. That is the foundation that we have partnered with. Bakari Henderson was murdered in Greece in 2017 by a group of men. And his family have taken their pain and turned it into healing by helping other families that have lost loved ones at the hands of another. Yeah, it's a great foundation. Um, I yeah, it's a. I read the story. I was flabbergasted. Um, you know, much respect for the the work you're doing with those guys. Um, I'll definitely make sure to check out your podcast. It is fun. You guys make me laugh. You uh, you three work off quite well together. Even though the one Brittany is Ohio State fan, I don't know if I'd like her that much. So. <laughs> But uh, I'm sure the feeling would be mutual. But thanks for coming on. You have a good rest of your weekend, and uh, let's go Rams. Hey, thank you. You guys are great. We, I appreciate you very much. Can we believe the NASCAR season is almost here? We have a little bit of a preseason type of race. The Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. And who else to come on and talk NASCAR? He's going to be here all year like he was last year. Brandon, how are you doing today, my man? We're back. We're back. It feels like we took two weeks off and we're back at it already. It's, it, you know, it's it's crazy, man. You know, it's we, we got a race this Sunday. You know, I'm ready to go. But there's a lot of unknown. Like, I like a lot of unknown because no one has ever raced at the Coliseum before. So about this track, why don't you tell everyone what you know? So I know it's the shortest track NASCAR's raced on since, I think, 1971 or 73. They literally took the old Coliseum in California, tore up the football field, laid a bunch of asphalt, <laughs> and basically put a Martinsville right in the middle of a uh, right in the middle of a football stadium. Now, and, uh, go ahead. No, go ahead with your thought. Then I'll then I'll ask my question. No, it's it's just going to be interesting. There is a big unknown. We we don't know how it's going to go. We. We don't know who's going to do what. We have the new car, which we have no information on whatsoever. And I think it's going to be a free-for-all. I got a feeling it could be a wreck fest. But, uh, yeah, it should be good. So I'm just trying to picture what you said about the Martinsville track in the middle of the Coliseum. And I just, I don't, I think it's going to look a little funky. If that may, You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I just envision it looking a little funky in my eyes. Like not it does. It, natural. I, I've been watching NASCAR for years. It it does look funky. The walls look weird. The track's just awkward. 
<clears throat> don't know as far as mindset behind it. I kind of get it. Let's experience with some stuff to see where we could add tracks in the future. And what a better way to do it for the clash when there is nothing, it's nothing but not like an all-star race to kick off the season. And it's not going up against the NFL. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's Correct. a key thing. Like, you come in, you, you're you here, not NFL week. You can go in with this. It's a success. You go right into the Daytona 500, and you're off and running. I really feel that with baseball having its inevitable strike, it's not going to start the season on time. And football being done, I really think there's a chance for NASCAR, if they play it right with the fantasy aspect and the betting aspect, to draw some new fans in and, uh, you know, people could get, could like the sport like you and I, you you and I do. Correct. I think the only people that are against stuff like this is your old fashioned viewers of NASCAR. Like, You've got to change it up. I mean, look at the stuff the NFL does with Nickelodeon now and having cartoons during the games. Like, you got to adjust to the audience that's growing, not the audience that's been there. You have to attract new members. You have to attract yes. new people. And you just look at it. I, I'm a buck season ticket holder. I go to an NBA game. There are little kids all over the place. You go to a NASCAR, how many, you know what I mean? How many young fans are in the stands? I don't know. I haven't been to a NASCAR race forever. Uh, same thing with baseball. You'll get baseball, you go to the stands. There's not many many kids at games anymore. So uh, no. I really feel NASCAR is an opportunity here if they handle it the right way. Um, in terms of betting, with it being so much of an unknown, I'm just going to read off some some lines. Uh, I looked. DraftKings has these lines up. So these are based on DraftKings. I uh, will read the top couple. We have Hamlin, 6-1. to one, Truex, 6-1. to one, Your boy Chase, 6.5-1. Uh, to one, Larson, 7-1. to one, Logano, 7.5-1. to one, Kyle, 8-1. to one, uh, Ryan Blaney, 12-1. to one. I mean, anything with that going on, or are you just kind of like, eh? I like the Ryan Blaney 12-1. to um, I would 100% grab a Bush, an Elliott, somebody in that six-odd range. But I think the way you got to attack this, with being the new next-gen car, which we absolutely know nothing about, and then also the, just the clash, everybody's, balls to the wall i think you kind of sprinkle it like you would a talladega or daytona yeah i think it's the same mindset um yeah i kind of feel like the best play is you take one between logano kyle and blaney so you take one of those and then you kind of gotta go someone i find interesting okay now just hear me out is suarez just because he he showed some glimpses last year. Uh, Pitbull is part of that team. Uh, and they just brought in Dana White. So they're bringing in money to that, that car. I think Suarez could be a little under-the-radar guy that actually gets his first win this year. All right. What's his odds right now? 100 to 1. I'd throw at least $10. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 
this is a complete shit show. And then you got, um, I would look at him. What about send Austin Sendrick? Forty to one. I like that because he was competitive when he did race up in the Cup Series last year. Now is he in the two? Correct. Yeah, so he's definitely going to stop up in the equipment. I think forty to one. I think I think there's some value there. Uh, what about Chastain? Seventy to one. Yes. Um, Reddick forty to one. Yes. Okay. All right, so let's start. Yeah, see, I'm just, and that's the thing. I'm, I'm just, I keep saying yes, which kind of goes against what we ever do. But with those thick odds like that, with unknowns, it, it's, it's your Talladega and Daytona. So you might as well five, six, maybe even seven guys and just do a huge ROI opportunity rather than grabbing a bunch of guys that are six to one. All right, so this is what we're going to do. You know, we're, we're going to make four, we're, we're going to risk four units for this one. We're going to come up to as a team. We're going to go Logano plus 750. We're going to risk one unit on that. Okay. So we get, so now we're down to three units. Um, you said you kind of like Blaney, right? Yep. 12 to 1. All right, so we're going to take Blaney at 12 to 1. We're going to go a half a unit on that to win six. Okay. So now we got uh, what we got. We got two and a half units to play with. Um, let's go, Cendric. Let's go him. He's at forty to one. Why don't we go? Um, why don't we go half of you on him? Okay. Okay. Now that's we're at two, so we got two more. You said you like Chastain, right? Correct. Alright, so with Chastain at seventy to one, we're gonna put a quarter of a unit. Okay. So now we're at uh what's that? Two point two five? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Two point two five. Now let's look a little bit more. What about uh Dylan or nah? You're not feeling with Dylan? No. Now I saw something on Twitter. Um, who was it? I believe it was Roto Grinder posted it, and he said it wasn't that Harvick dropped off last year, but it was the um, Stuart Haas team overall dropped off, and that he expects them to really pick it up this year. Yeah, Roto Doc posted this graph. I'm pulling it up right now. Um. A simple metric I call driver rating over equipment. It is adjusted to each driver's ranking versus the average of the whole team's driver ranking. Here is Stuart Haas since 2014. Harvick didn't drop off in, 20, in 2021. The team as a whole did. Adjusting for that, overall, he looked good. I expect him to, he, like, from what, from how I'm reading this, he expects him to take a, um, Take a step forward this year. What about Harvick at eighteen to one? Anything in that, or not, not too much? No, because he's going to have to prove something to me before I can unload on him. The uh, way he ended the season and faded so bad, I'm going to have to see a couple races out of him that shows some positivity before I'm going to throw my money in that direction. Okay. 
Um, Bowman was kind of a surprise last year, 18 to 1. I really, I don't know. He kind of came out of the blue. I really don't want to use him. Um, no. You got Kurt Busch going to a new car is 25 to 1. That's a little bit too much of the too, uh, too much unknown. I don't want to do that. What about um, your mom's favorite driver, Christopher Bell, at 20 to 1? The fact that you remember that's awesome, and she's going to love that because she does listen to these. Um, I don't mind that. Now, I would take him at 20 to 1. Okay, so let's do that. If if I wasn't doing Blaney at 12 to 1. Okay, so you don't want to do him. So we're still at... We're at 2.25. Um, what about Dinger at 80 to 1? No. Okay. No, Maybe. not yet. Not All right. yet. He, All right. So I mentioned. He's going to be competitive, and he will be in all of the road course races. So I mentioned Suarez at 100 to 1. So we're going to put another quarter U on Suarez at 100 to 1. So that's one, two, we're at two and a half U right now. I no way we're doing Bubba. What about Chase Briscoe? What's his odds at? 120 to one. Oh yeah. Alright, so let's go a little chase. He's at 120 to one. We'll put another quarter U on. Stenhouse. No, I mean, Ricky. Ricky in a new car at an unknown track. What the fuck can go wrong, man? Ricky. Um, Ricky. Chris Busher at 200 to 1. Not even. No. Ty no. Dillon at 200 to 1. Mm, I can't. I can't do it. Okay. What, what about Michael McDowell? I want to joke around and say who, but I know exactly. No, he, if anything, he wants to restrict to play track. But you, you saw him the second he got into the playoffs. And he couldn't, if he if, if there was no super speedway, he had no opportunity to even get out of the first round at all. What about Ryan Peace? Not touching him. Staying completely away. What about Harrison Burton? Ooh. He's in this race? Yep, 100 to 1. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. I don't even care. I don't know what the what equipment he's in, but yeah. All right, so we're going to go Burton. We're going to put him in 100 to 1. So now we're at 3U. We're at 3U right now. Um, What about Eric Jones? Nah. All right, so no Jonesy. No LaJoy? What's he at? 100 to 1. <laughs> you rode him pretty high last year in the top 20s, so do you try and see if you can start the season off with an actual win in a class race to get your momentum going? You know what, dude? That son of a bitch never replied to my direct message to come on this podcast, so no. You know, I'm still bitter about that, so. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm that type of guy. What about uh, Almarillo at forty-five to one? No, 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 no. Redick forty to one. Not bad, yeah. All right, 
So we're going to go Redick at 40 to 1. And we're going to put half of you on him. So we got another, we got one more half you to F around with. I keep going back to Bell, dude. 20 to 1. I mean, so look, if we put Bell in at 20 to 1, okay, for half a U, even if Logano wins, we're making money. I think we go Bell. I like that, yeah. I'm okay. So here, so this is where we're at. We're at Logano plus 750, risking one U. Blaney plus 1200. Risking half of you. Um, Bell plus 200, risking half of you. Cendric plus no, 40 to 41, half of you. Um, Reddick, 40 to 1, half of you. Chastain, 71, a quarter of a you. Suarez and Burton, 100 to 1 quarter of the U and Chase Briscoe 120 to 1 risking quarter of the U. Now what we're going to do this year is I'm going to make a Google spreadsheet and I'm going to track these and we're going to every week we'll come on we'll just kind of update it. Um, we're going to best odds available. We'll always do best odds available. I will actually I'll pull up FanDuel right now if I can and I will play around and I will I will find the best odds and I will publish a spreadsheet that will be in my bio. I will add you on it as Brandon as an admin or whatever. So that way you, that way you can um, you know, you can post the link onto your stuff and we can just kind of track it and then by the end of the year we'll have a true uh, true ROI of what uh, what's going on here. Um yeah, because I'm looking right now at these right here. Yeah, they got Bell at 24 to 1. So there's a couple different odds. Cendric at 50 to 1. Chastain. Oh, so I mean, yeah. So I'll play around with these and then I'll I'll, I'll do that. And then so that way at the end of the year, we have a true, uh, true thing of where we are, my friend. This is going to be fun, dude. I'm looking forward to the race season. You got some big news happening with your iRacing team. Why don't... Uh, why don't you tell everyone what's going on with your iRacing team and everything? Yeah, we are Team Lunatic. Uh, we've been doing a lot of testing. Everything's been going really well. We've run a lot of open races recently, and we're consistently 1, 2, 3, 4, 1, 3, 4, 5, 1, 2, 3, 5. Like, we're consistently in the top five with the setups. Um, a lot of these tracks that we've been good at are rolling into Road to Pro starting February 17th. <laughs> if we backtrack to last year i finished 111th out of uh, 1800 they take the top 70 i was not on a team for the first four weeks so uh super excited uh martin sports apparel or martin sports 906.com you can get all type of racing uh, apparel gloves shirts everything if you are an i racing person there's a bunch of gloves to protect your wheel so on and so forth but um yeah we're looking forward to it i'll keep you guys posted i'll always tag you in the link uh, in my story whenever we do ever race but um 
spent a couple hours on there testing last night for Las Vegas, and uh, we feel really good. So hopefully we can make it to the second round this year and uh, have some fun. Sounds good, my man. I look forward to uh, to watching uh, watching you race and everything. And uh, no uh, no race next week. We'll be back in two weeks, and we'll be previewing uh, the Daytona 500, my friend. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Good luck, everybody. It's race season. That's it for the show today. I'd like to thank everyone for coming on. I'd like to thank my boy Sterling from Silver Star Sports coming on, talking the NFL hires, talking his recap of the season, and what he thinks of the Brian Flores situation. I would like to thank my girl Elena from Dresses and Salt Pretzels from coming on, giving her thoughts as a Bears fan about the hirings they made of Matt Eberfuse and Ryan Poles to be their coach and GM if they should trade Mac and Justin Fields. Just kind of the thoughts about where the fan and where the franchise is heading because I really think that's a team that could make a big jump. But I'm not going to lie, her and I are not fans of that hire. So thanks for her coming on and talking about it. Also, thanks to my boy Brandon coming on, talking NASCAR. Like I said, we'll have spreadsheets from our picks. Great show today, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's make some cash. Let's cash some tickets. Please like, please subscribe. Until next week, my friends.